means that the sacraments work through Jesus in his people's hearts by faith. Uh, we're, uh, let's uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles if you have one of your own personal copy or the ones in the pews to Hebrews chapter 10, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. Uh, and, and as you turn to Hebrews 13, 7 to 8, I've been thinking and praying a lot about how to stay grounded and connected to Jesus during all the different seasons and transitions and ups and downs uh, in life. And actually, the series we're going to start next week is a product of that, uh, that reflection. And, and as I've been thinking about all of that, I, I've kept coming back to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, because as this church here in Hebrews was experiencing massive change and, and pressure, the author assures these saints that Jesus never changes, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, though everything in their life seems to be swirling around them, they have an anchor for their souls, as he says earlier on in Hebrews. Uh, they have the unchangeable person of Jesus by their side, walking with them, leading them home. And as we enter a new year, uh, like any new year, there will be changes and transitions. There'll be things that we expect and there'll be things that we don't expect. And what I want for us is to be prepared for this transition spiritually by anchoring our hearts to the unchangeable Christ. Uh, I want us to go into this year intentionally confessing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever so that we can experience the words of the psalmist who said that though the mountains may fall into the heart of the sea, right, though the biggest and scariest changes possible may occur, we will not fear because our unchangeable Jesus is our refuge. But I'm not simply looking for us to have courage, which is what that psalm's about. I'm also looking for us to have peace as we enter the new year. In Isaiah chapter 26, God has this amazing confession that he says his people will say and believe when the Messiah comes and you know, we just celebrated Christmas and the Messiah has come, <laughs> right? So God promises in the day of the Messiah, which is our day, that he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever because the Lord God is an everlasting and is unchangeable rock. My friends, this morning's sermon and the next few sermons in January are aimed at helping us keep our minds and hearts stayed on Jesus so that we can have courage and peace as we enter the new year with him. And, and we can hit what we are aiming at this morning, not because we're lucky, uh, not because I'm a particularly good shot, but because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. Pray. And then we'll reflect on this a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Thus far, what can only be God's word. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we do thank you that our Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that therefore um, we can journey with you in confidence, uh, knowing that you do all things well and you will not fail us. But Lord, we also know that that confidence that we seek, that 
firm assurance of the soul that we want, that it will not be ours unless your Spirit blesses your word to us. And so, Father, we therefore pray that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe your word. Father, may the words of my mouth as your preacher and may the meditation of all our hearts as those called to hear and respond to your word this morning, may it all now be pleasant in your sight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so kids, by the time this sermon is done, I am totally expecting you to have verse 8 memorized. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, okay, so just a brief word on this. Uh, we are at the end of Hebrews and you might remember if you were here for a previous sermon a couple weeks ago that we don't know exactly who this book was written to, but whoever it was written to, uh, they were experiencing a lot of change and a lot of pressure. That is a lot of tribulation. Remember the word tribulation means intense pressure. And that pressure was related to all the changes that they were experiencing. So after coming to faith in Jesus, some of them faced economic pressures from not being allowed to buy and sell their goods in the local markets, meaning that some of these Christians were worried about not being able to feed their families or were actually struggling to feed their families and were facing homelessness because they were not able uh, to participate in the economic life of their community. And then on top of those economic pressures, there were also legal pressures as some of these Christians were carted off to jail because of their faith. So in ancient Rome, uh, you were required by law to worship Roman gods and the Roman emperor as God. Now, you could worship other gods too. That wasn't a problem to Rome, but you had to worship Jupiter and Saturn and Caesar and all their other gods. Unless you were a Jew, then you were granted a special exemption from that law. We talked about that if you were here during our Christmas, Eve, Christmas sermon. Uh, but these Christians, they did not have, apparently, that exemption. And as followers of Christ, they were not going to offer sacrifices to Caesar or to any other god but Jesus, and so they were jailed. And some of them, it looks like, were even executed while they were in prison. We're going to talk about this more in a moment, but that's why in verse 7, the author calls on them to remember their leaders and think about the outcome of their life. The outcome of their life meaning that their way of life of faith, the impact that it has after they've died. So there's economic pressure, there's legal pressure, there's social pressure too as their family and friends began rejecting them because of their faith in, in Jesus. So now I want you to take all of this and I want you to think about the chaos that these saints faced in Hebrews. You know, one day they're living their lives, they're hanging out with their friends and family, they're buying and selling their goods, they're not afraid of going to jail, we're law-abiding citizens, and then suddenly they meet Jesus in his gospel. And they're hearing the good news of Christ, and they think to themselves like, oh man, you mean God, the one true God, took on the form of a true human being, lived for me, died for me, rose again for me, and if I repent and believe in him, all my sins are forgiven. And I'm adopted into his family. And I get the Holy Spirit as a down payment of my salvation so that if God were to renege on his promise, which is impossible, I still get to keep God in my life because the Holy Spirit is God and he's a down payment of my salvation. And I get to join a new family on earth called the church. And my biological family and my friends, they can come too, and they can join if they also repent and believe 
in Jesus. This is all the things that Hebrews talk about. Like, this is wonderful. That's a really exciting change. That's good change. That's the change that you want. That's the, you just won the lottery change, only better because it's eternal and moth and rust can't destroy it. But then, at some point, come all of these difficult changes that follow on from following Jesus. And now the church is saying, my biological family, my friends, they're starting to cut me out. Our relationships are not at peace anymore. They're unsettled and they're, and they're difficult. And that family over there, they aren't allowed to buy and sell in the market anymore. And we're trying to figure out how to help them pay their bills. And even my church family is going through incredible changes as our favorite pastor and elders. They've just been carted off to jail. And now today I'm going to a funeral because one of them was executed as a martyr to the faith. I mean, like I said before, is it any wonder that these saints were seriously considering, at least some of them, giving up Jesus? Is Jesus worth it? Now, one of the reasons that we get to this point of wondering if we should keep believing in Jesus as we experience change and transition and pressure is we end up decreasing our time spent with Jesus. When things get busy, what happens to our prayer life? It gets shortened often, doesn't it? Uh, when we feel the pressures of fear and grief and loneliness, what tends to happen to our Sunday worship attendance? Well, it tends to become more inconsistent and sporadic. Uh, in fact, the author of Hebrews talks about that worship attendance when he says back in chapter 10, it's verse 25, when he calls us not to neglect meeting together as has become the habit of some. Why has it become their habit? Because the pressures have become intense, the loneliness, the fear, the anxiety, and they've been drawing back from Jesus and his people. And he talks about prayer in chapter 12, verse 12, when he says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Uh, our ancient brothers and sisters in Christ, they used to pray standing up with their hands raised. So if he was writing to Grace today, he would say uh, maybe something like, uh, strengthen your heart as you bow your head in confidence in prayer. It'd be the same kind of thing. He's talking about the imagery of prayer. He tells them, don't stop meeting for worship. Don't let your prayer life grow weak. You see, the author to Hebrews knows that our response to fear and change and pressure tends to be to draw back from Jesus, not draw near to Jesus. And while there are many reasons why we draw away, there is one big reason that the author focuses on, which is we are afraid that Jesus is not going to turn out to be who he says he is. We're afraid that we will find Jesus to be weaker than we imagined him to be, or not as good as we thought he was, or not as wise and able to help as we had hoped. We are afraid that Jesus really won't be able to help us, and so rather than being disappointed, we draw back. Because what if Jesus can't or won't help? That's a fear that is lodged deeply 
in our hearts. I mean, I know not many of us have said this out loud, but seriously, in your heart, when it feels like the mountains have fallen into the heart of the sea in your life, and when you've entered a dark night of the soul where it's hard to see the light of Jesus and your prayers have lessened or they've stopped altogether and your church attendance has lessened or it's stopped altogether, isn't it because, at least in part, you're afraid, like these saints were, that Jesus is not going to turn out to be enough? Or that Jesus has actually changed and he was good and now he's mean. This is the context for the promise. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he is the same because Jesus Christ is the God of the Bible. He is the eternal son, eternally begotten of the Father, who together with the Holy Spirit act in the world to bring life and light and peace and redemption and hope and grace. The, the Jesus who created the heavens and the earth and made them good is the same Jesus, as we just talked about earlier in the service, who created you and made you good. And that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus who looked at the brokenness of creation after the fall and then set out to save it and restore it immediately is the same Jesus who sees your brokenness and my brokenness and sets out to save us and restore us and has through his finished work on the cross because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, the Jesus who walked with Abraham in his old age in the midst of homelessness and war and famine and sin and heartbreak and relational wreckages within families is the same Jesus who walks with you in relational wreckage and heartbreak and old age because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus who walked with Moses and Israel through the trauma of murder and massive change of being brought from slavery into freedom is the same Jesus who walks with us through our own traumas and through our own massive changes in life because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus who acted to save his people out of the terrors of Egypt at the Red Sea is the same Jesus who acted to save you out of the terrors of judgment on the cross, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who saved prostitutes like Rahab, who protected the friendship of David and Jonathan from all the family pressures that were seeking to strip them from each other. The same Jesus who took his people into exile and back so that he could transform them and use that experience to bring salvation to the nations and hope to the world of which you and I are all included because of that transitional experience. Like That is because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same Jesus who saves you. It is the same Jesus who protects your relationships, who walks with you in the valley of the shadow of death to bring salvation to the nations and hope to the world through his work in our life together as his saints. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know where I got all that from? Hebrews 11. We usually call that the hall of faith. 
But the author's point in Hebrews 11 is that these saints could walk with God, could walk with Jesus by faith because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Not one of them found Jesus to be uncaring. Not one of them found him unable to help. Not one of them discovered that Jesus failed to keep his promises to his people. Not one saint in the history of the world has found or will ever find Jesus to be different than he has always been. Jesus will always, always be gracious and always be kind and always be merciful, always slow to anger and always abounding in steadfast, unbreakable love and faithfulness. Jesus will always be just. He will always be righteous. He will always be good. And Jesus will always be the refuge and strength of his people. Jesus will always be the lamb who is slain to save us, who we can come to in our brokenness and sin and find forgiveness and freedom and cleansing. Jesus will always be our savior who rescues us from the dark nights of the soul and from the depths of the sea, who goes to the ends of the earth to grab us and bring us back to himself. Jesus will always be our shepherd who defends us and guards us and keeps us always because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And therefore, when the world feels like it's giving way, when we feel overwhelmed by transitions and changes and fears and all the pressures and tribulations of life, we shouldn't close off from Christ or step back from Christ. We should step near Christ and open up, drawing near to him in worship and in prayer because we will find him to be more than sufficient for whatever we are facing in life. In fact, that's what these times of suffering and trial are designed to produce in us. If you were to look back at chapter 12, verses 3 through 4, uh, you'll see this word about Jesus. I'm going to read it. Chapter 12, verse 3 through 4. Consider him, that is Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And why is that? Because Jesus resisted to the point of shedding his. The author reminds us, uh, going back a few Sundays ago, of Jesus' own experience with pressure and change and trial and how Jesus endured it with such faithfulness that he actually sweat drops of blood and then eventually had his blood spilled on the cross so that we could know that Jesus knows how hard it is to live for him and for his kingdom in this world. And so we could know not only that Jesus knows that, but that Jesus has grace and strength for us to help in time of need. Hebrews, that's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, right? Draw near to him who has grace and strength to help in time of need. Because of Jesus' changeless sympathy and kindness, we can draw near in prayer and worship and find him to be our ever-present help and refuge in time of trouble. Jesus entered our world in part so that you and I would not grow weary or faint-hearted, but would be risen up on wings like eagles, so that, like the youth, we could have our strength renewed by his presence in the trials and the changes of life. 
Uh, my friends, the transitions we go through, the seasons we experience, the, the pressures we endure, those are all designed by God to help us learn that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever because they become the context for us to draw near to Christ's throne of grace and find that he is a consistent, unchanging help in all the storms of life. Uh, and that's what I, why I want to end on this. Uh, the author connects this point to their deceased leaders in verse 7. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Uh, these pastors and elders had died for the faith that they had learned and uh, through the experience of suffering that Jesus' mercy and kindness is unchangeable. And therefore they drew near to Jesus in prison and they were able to draw near to him. I'm sure as they were about to die, they learned the, the consistency of Christ in these tribulations. They put their trust in the word that they preached and that they shepherded the flock in and that they taught to people that you can draw near to Jesus and find him to be a refuge in a time of difficulty. And there are, of course, lots and lots of stories of Christian leaders uh, who, while they were being burned at the stake or crucified upside down or attacked by lions, they drew near to Jesus with songs and prayers and how they forgave their executioners and even prayed for those who persecuted them with their last breath. Uh, those stories are always powerful. Uh, you might have thought I was going to end with a story about that. Uh, go out and be burned at the stake for Jesus, singing his songs on your lips. Uh, but there are less extreme but I think even more powerful stories of believers who have used their final breaths to talk about the faithfulness of Christ. Uh, I remember back in college, a friend of mine got word that his grandfather was entering in his final days of life. So he left and uh, got back in time to talk with him before he died, which is a great gift. Uh, now his grandfather had been a Christian uh, for his entire life and he had, was very close to my friend. He had a huge impact on his life. And, and after telling my friend how much he loved him and how proud he was of him, he said to them in the middle of the pain of dying, because dying is very painful, so it takes a lot of effort to speak. He finished by telling him, uh, if I remember right, I think it was verbatim, stay strong in the Lord, boy. He will never leave you or forsake you. And then not many hours after that, he entered into glory with Jesus. And my friend, who had been going through some things, uh, took that word and he drew near to Jesus. After a period of time of withdrawal out of his own fear and confusion regarding some transitions that were happening in his own life. And he found Jesus to be faithful. He found, like his grandfather had said, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the outcome of my friend's grandfather's faith was that it strengthened the faith of his grandson and it drew him near to Jesus. And my friend has himself gone on to strengthen the faith of a number of people in his life. That's the outcome of faith that the author is talking about. Remember your leaders who showed you how to draw near to Jesus in the midst of all this hardship and loss and consider what that has done for them and for you and for your church. They found Jesus to be the same as he has always been and as he always will be. And that produced 
love and obedience and hope and joy and encouragement for you and for everyone who entered in the doors of that church. And so for myself, as your pastor, for our elders, for our deacons, for our parents and grandparents, our older siblings, our younger siblings, our brothers and sister friends, my prayer for us this year is that we will draw near to Jesus no matter what happens. Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And my prayer is, is that as we do that, we will inspire others to join us in the peace that comes from having our hearts stayed on Christ Jesus as we draw near to him by faith. Because Jesus Christ is the same. I feel like we should, can we all do this together? Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being the same yesterday and today and forever. Please help us to draw near to you in worship and in prayer, even in the midst of incredibly uh, scary and frightening times of pressure and change, so that we can be strengthened by that same grace that has helped your people from the beginning of the world until now. And as you do this, please help us to bear witness to each other about the treasures of Christ that we have experienced from him so that together we would come to know more of the height and depth and breadth of the love and mercy that you have for us in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.